And we're back. Kevin Perry and Johnny Sig are ready to unpack a crazy weekend of boxing. Oh, my goodness, my hero. The whole reason why I got into the sport of boxing, unfortunately, was sent to hell. Kevin, let's hit it. All right, what's good, Kev? Before we get into the meat and potatoes yep. of Holyfield Belfort, um, did you see that Raiders game last night? I'm going to beat around the bush. Did you see that yeah. Raiders game? Uh, yes, I did. I did see the game, and uh, I was actually watching it at the bar, and I kind of wanted to go home, and the game just kept going. But it was it was an interesting game, and um, the Raiders pulled it out. That was just pretty crazy, right? They pulled it out, right? They pulled it out, and that yeah. was a war. What yeah. wasn't a war was when Evander Holyfield, at 58 years old, got in the ring. Dude, I'm, I'm going to break it down like this. I'm going to keep it really short and sweet. Uh, Evander is my favorite fighter of all time. He's the reason why I laced up gloves. He's the reason why I had so much passion for boxing and still do. And I take nothing away from this man uh, all the great accolades. Just look him up, people. If you don't know, if you're not knowledgeable enough, just look it up. I mean, the guy is an absolute consummate professional and warrior, but he had no legs. And Kevin, I'm going to be honest here. Even though his uh, reflexes were shop-worn, he didn't really know how to fight a southpaw. He always had a hard time. Did you notice that? Because he had a hard time with Chris Bird, hard time with Michael uh, Moore. To be honest with you, I, I didn't I didn't even really notice this southpaw uh, stance of uh, Belfort, really. Uh, the only thing, my whole eyes were just focused on Holyfield and how he looked. And when he threw those first two, three jabs out, I mean, he looked like he was swimming underwater. I mean, he was so slow. Um, he just looked very lethargic. And I think at the same time in his mind, I think um, they weren't on the same page what this whole fiasco was all about. I think Holyfield just went in there and thought they were just going to kind of go through the motions and give the people a little bit of a show and not really exert too much. And I was just very disappointed in uh, Vitor Belfort. I mean, the way he was acting after the uh, the stoppage, I mean, was so unprofessional. Um, you would have thought that he beat some, uh, you know, well, I mean, he did beat a Hall of Fame fighter, but he beat a Hall of Fame fighter probably 20, 30 years uh, past his best. And, I mean, it was really embarrassing the whole show itself, uh, the presentation by Triller um, was just very bizarre. Um, you know, the two guys who were in the ring in the post-fight interview, I mean, just talking about Jake Paul and offering him $30 million, winner takes all to fight Belfort. And it, it was just, it, it was so uh, out of place because um, you would have thought he'd beat a killer and it was just, it just wasn't that. It was just very disgraceful. Um in my in my uh you know opinion that nobody gives a gives a, a crap about. No, we certainly do, and you always drop the logic and keep it at a hundred and drop the science on it. The thing is that like, you know, if you look at the fight, the build up, you know, Belfort was very respectful. Very respectful and uh always uh, you know, saying to Holyfield, Hey man, 
you know, like, uh, here's what's up, man. You like one of the best fighters in history. And then yeah. to like, after he dismantles him the way he did, and he yeah, did it. I, I thought it was, it just was not sportsmanlike whatsoever. Not um, at all. No, I agree. Yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty sad to see. And then, um, I don't know. I mean, well, um, that, that being said, I mean, just the, there was actually an undercard, um, with Anderson Silva mm. and uh, Tito Ortiz, and Tito Ortiz kind of looked the same way that Holyfield did. Yes, and sir. Silva just unloaded. I mean, a vicious shot. I mean, it was. But but the only difference between um, that fight and the Holyfield and Belfort fight is that um, Tito Ortiz and Anderson Silva are closer in age, and they're not so far removed from uh, fighting professionally. And I, I think just that fact alone um, really was disturbing to me. You know, not only was Holyfield 58 years old, um, he took the fight on one week's notice. And um, I'm actually interested to see uh, how, how do you, so how do you think Oscar uh, De La Hoya would have done? Um, because he was the originally the he was the original opponent for Vitor Belfort, and Holyfield just looked so bad. Uh, how do you think? Uh, De La Hoya would have fared. I mean, he did look in pretty good shape uh, coming uh, towards the fight before he tested positive for uh, COVID-19. Both Holyfield and De La Hoya looked really good in shape. And not to make a, a terrible joke here, you know, and exaggerate, but I think my stepdaughter, who's 12 years old, would have done better against Belfort than Holyfield did, okay? Um at the end of the day, I think De La Hoya would have, you know, uh, saved face. I think he has a fresher body better reflexes um but we don't know because we haven't seen him in the ring in a well, long time bottom, bottom line is um de la hoya is not 58 years old and, and I, he's not 58 years old that's yeah, where i was going i, next. I think he would have been able to at the yeah. very least um not saying he could win or lose but my he would have done better is, my assessment yeah. is he would have been able to move around and at least be better defensively i think holyfield Never really got hurt. I just think his equilibrium and his reflexes were shot because he threw that. Uh, it was either a left hook or left something. Hook. Left and hook. once he went through those ropes and he got up, it was kind of like, just imagine me, or maybe you're probably in better shape than I am, but um, any person who is over the age of 40, all right, and just say, you, you know, you, you trip on something, a shoe in your house and you fall down. Um, when you're 40 and that happens, and then if that happens when you're 20, the way your body reacts when you get up is like night and day. You know, it's just it's just not the same. And that's kind of what I saw from uh, Holyfield. Once he got up from that fall, it was like a fallen and I can't get up type moment. But he did get up. But once he got up, I mean, his legs were just not there. And um, even little grazing shots were just kind of, you know, he was blocking the punches. Belfort didn't look like a killer in there. But he definitely had um, he had his wits were more there. He was in better condition. Um, his body was a little bit more preserved than Holyfield. And Holyfield was never known to be somebody like a Floyd Mayweather who goes in there and mm -mm. trying to uh, avoid uh, contact. He was definitely a high contact fighter um, in his heyday. So he's he's had a lot of wear and tear. Even you could even say he probably has more wear and tear than Mike Tyson. So um, I, I wouldn't even want to see him against Tyson. Tyson looked no you know, pretty decent when he fought uh, Roy Jones, even though they weren't going a hundred percent. He looked like he had a little bit more there, and he's actually uh, quite a bit younger. 
Um, that being said, on the card itself, um, another topic on there, uh, Donald Trump was the, uh, our former president, Donald Trump, was uh, one of the commentators on the card. I mean, it was, in my mind, it was pretty bizarre. Um, but what, <laughs> what, what, did, what did you think of that? I mean, it, it, was, it definitely was interesting, but um, it was bizarre to say the least. What, what, what are your thoughts, John, about but, uh, Donald Trump being on the broadcast and uh, how was his performance? Was it a positive or negative or he kind of somewhere in between? I'd say it's like somewhere in between, but more towards the positive is that he was very real. Donald Trump knows his boxing and he's very good friends with Evander Holyfield. And I thought it was very excellent that he was very blatantly honest. I I watched that feed where Trump was calling the fight and right off the bat, you know, Donald Trump was like, I'll try my best impersonation. He's like, this is not my Holyfield. Like he was saying, like he had complications right off the bat. He knew what he was seeing, and he was telling him, like you know, uh, telling everyone that was in attendance, uh, in, you know, at his um, uh, panel, that Holyfield was not Holyfield. He's like, this is not my guy. This is not the guy I used to know, and they should probably stop it. It doesn't look good, you know. He was being very realistic, and even the build up to the fight. Um, he didn't make anything political. He didn't want to address any kind of thing like that. He was out there as a guy that's a fight fan commentating a fight, and I thought he did a great job. You know, Triller, they, they do very interesting things, bro. Like, I mean, we have Snoop Dogg getting fucking Al Bernstein high, you know, like all this type of stuff. De La Hoya, who we just aforementioned, who was supposed to be fighting on that night. Yeah. Remember, like, he's like, let's go, baby, with that one paper. I mean, Triller is just a different like thing it's just like a different alternate universe of boxing if you want to call it that i think it's more suited to entertainment sports i think that they're doing the right thing i guarantee you that pay-per-view got a lot of views last night or rather the night before and uh you know you look at Silva and ortiz like and you're absolutely correct i want to go back to that point is that ortiz always had been chinny He's always had a complication taking a shot. I knew he was going to get out of there. And you're right. It looks very similar to that of Holyfield. Yeah. Now, Holyfield always had a good chin. Yeah. All right. But if you saw that body well, shot. Holy, Holyfield, to me, didn't really get knocked out. It was even that first knockdown. Didn't have his legs. Like, was kind of questionable to me. It kind of looked like he maybe got hit on the arm. I don't know if it was a legitimate body nah, he shot. Got, he got dropped. He got dropped. Okay. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, yeah it, it, was a, it was a weird, weird angle that I saw it from, so I didn't couldn't really see um, where the punch landed, but um, but they said it was a body shot, so if that's what they said, uh, I, I just didn't, didn't really see it. A um, body shot that sent him about five feet across the ring. No exaggeration. People could pull it up and look at it. I'm the biggest Holyfield fan on the planet. I'm not hating on the man. I love him. Yeah. still admire him, and he's still my favorite fighter of all time, no matter what. That shot landed, and when he got sent across the ring from that shot, like he looked so in a perilous situation, bro. He looked so bad. And I'm like, yeah. nah. You know what it is, bro? It's what age I'm, I'm, and legs. Yeah. What I'm curious about, too, is, uh, you know, being that he's 58 years old and he had a fight coming up, did he do any sparring? That I'm not sure about. I know he trained with Antonio Tarver, Vladimir Kalichko. 
worked with a lot of great fighters. Um, and at the same time, looked very sharp. I mean, look at his shape there. He looks great. He doesn't look – does that guy look 58 years old to you? But he certainly looked 58 years old in the ring. And I have to be honest about that. I love Mr. Vander Holyfield. I've had the opportunity to meet him several times. He's a great guy. But at the end of the day, like the people around him, I think should have been more responsible. Like we saw that in one minute, dude, it took one minute for this yeah. man to get dismissed one minute. And if the people around him are allowing him to do that, then he's going to get, I'm sorry, guys, like better people around him. Don't fight anymore. Mr. Vander Holyfield. I love you. I don't want to see you get hurt. Yeah. That referee, that stoppage was fucking perfect. I'm yeah, going to tell you why. Very yeah. good stoppage. and uh, Very great stoppage. You know what? Uh, I'll be honest with you. Considering he didn't take any punishment at all, and I, I believe he I, I – Uppercut. He got I nailed with an uppercut. Uh, I, I don't know if it was Mike Coppinger or, you know, one of one of those journalists who's kind of on the beat um, said he got about $600,000. So to get uh, 600000 for uh, that amount of work, you know, more more power to him, you know, because all those fights he's been in, I mean, he deserves to get paid. I mean, for a little novelty like this, I, I was just disappointed in um, Vitor Belfort and the way he was acting. Um, but anyways, uh, to, to move on, um, yes. there was a great ESPN card on Saturday. And yes, I was, <clears throat> it was a W, what, WBO? Or no, I'm sorry, WBC 130-pound championship between uh, – these two guys right here, uh, Oscar Valdez versus uh, Robson Conceso uh, from Brazil. He's a former Olympic gold medalist, I believe, in 2016. Um, actually, the fight was on Friday, September 10th. And that, that was actually was really good uh, to get to see boxing on a Friday. It was, it was something I really enjoyed. And there was a pretty good undercard fight um, that turned out a pretty big uh, upset. Uh, a Stockton kid, I'm trying to remember what his name is. Um, what, what, what did you think of the card uh, overall, John? And um, Valdez did eke out a 12-round decision over a Conceso, but it was very controversial. Um, Conceso looked like he won about maybe four or five of the first six rounds, and they were pretty decisive. And uh, somehow, uh, one of the judges... <laughs> <laughs> a so-called judge in my mind had the fight 117-112 for Valdez. The other two had it uh 115-112, which would be a seven five in rounds is a 12-round fight. Um the uh the 112 is because uh, the referee, <laughs> the referee deduct, deducted a ridiculous uh point deduction, I believe in round seven or eight for basically like a little love tap to the back of the head. There was no warning. Um, how do you feel about that? I mean, is, is boxing just getting so ridiculous with just bad officiating? I mean, is it something that we've just gotten so used to that we just kind of overlook it? Or how did you see the fight overall, the officiating, uh, the decision? Uh, give, give me your thoughts on uh, this, this fight on ESPN. These are all great questions, and unfortunately, we've been dealing with this for a very long time in the sport of boxing, okay? Bad officiating, bad refereeing, you know, having to deal with this, getting fleeced all the time. But at the end of the day, I mean, we come back, 
It's like a hot chick that we kind of, we we want to keep going in and getting screwed. But guess what? Boxing screws you. So it's a matter of what you like and what you don't like. I personally thought that Oscar Valdez won that fight. It was a very competitive fight. It was a very close fight. One of those judges had it all sorts of crazy. Like to have that kind of margin, like that, that was way too much. Yeah. Um, I, I thought both guys fought their ass off. And a lot of people were asking me, like, you know, how do you think about Valdez, man? What do you think he did that night? Like, I mean, he looked vulnerable. Have you watched his fights? He's always looking vulnerable. And he, well, yeah. He's, um, he's right. Exactly. Well, I, I think this was a case of um, bad style matchup for him. I mean, he, he's somebody that's, you know, he, he likes to kind of get into exchanges. And this guy was tall. Yes. He was five foot ten. He was lanky. He was using his jab. And Valdez just – it took him a while to kind of figure out how to get in range. And even in the later rounds when he started to kind of make somewhat of a comeback, he wasn't really all that effective. It was just more that Conceso in the later rounds was doing less and he he wasn't letting um, – he wasn't moving his hands enough in the later rounds. And Valdez was able to kind of squeak by in some of the rounds just because I, I think Conceso uh, – can say so in the early rounds uh expended a lot of energy uh trying to yes. you know, control control distance and range and um you know take those rounds which he was doing very decisively um the rounds that valdez won later in the fight mm -hmm. was more on attrition than really clean punching and can say so kind of i could say he alienated himself with the judges by doing some of the showboating and that type of stuff and he was another guy's hometown. I thought that hurt him a lot in the fight. So, Well, one thing that did probably work for him with the judges is you look at Valdez's face at the end of that fight. His face was banged up, man. And I tell you what, he's a warrior. And the thing is, like you were just saying, like I was saying, is that he goes like nuts and guts, bro. He throws it all out there. And he's that type of fighter. So if you're looking for like a Floyd Mayweather or Israel on the Lara, or like, you know, you're not going to get that from this guy. This guy goes like Arturo Gotti style. He goes Diego Corrales yeah. style. He fights really hard. And, you know, what Conseo, like, what happened there was he started, like you said, Kevin, you nailed it on the head, is that halfway through the fight, he started backing up. He lost some of his energy. He started fatiguing. And, and that's where Valdez was, I believe, able to have his best moments. Yeah. And if you look at the combinations that were thrown, you know, Valdez, I, I believe, I, I didn't look at the copy box finals, but in my head, that's the only copy box I need, is that I thought Valdez won a very, very close fight. Make no mistake, people that are listening, a very close fight. What was your thoughts, final? Um. I, I wasn't really scoring it, but um, I was listening to uh, Pedro and Ring Talk this weekend, and he made uh, some points that I just kind of wanted to share. Sure. And he said, uh, if you win four of the first five rounds or five of the first six rounds, and I'm, and I'm kind of online with him there, um, all you have to do is pretty much win one or two more rounds to either win it or get a draw. So. In that sense, I could kind of see where people thought Conceso won because I probably gave him four of the first five rounds or five of the first six rounds. And I think he at least squeaked another round or two in there somewhere. So um, I, I wouldn't complain about 115-112, but 
it was more of a fight where it was a fight that Canseso kind of gave to Valdez. He he gave the fight away instead of Valdez really taking the fight, if that makes any sense. It does make sense. What was Pedro's final verdict? I didn't hear the show yet. Ring talk. Um, uh, check him out. Pedro Fernandez, one of the best and pioneers of why me and Kevin are here right now. He's the guy that launched all this game. So please check him out. Ring talk. Yeah, so um, I, I don't remember what his scorecard was. Um, I'm just I just remember him kind of addressing the issue that uh, he kind of felt that the other guy probably deserved the victory. I, I don't want to okay. necessarily put sense. yeah put words in his mouth because I don't remember specifically what he said, but that was kind of the analogy uh, that he had that I was sharing with you guys just now. So um, mo moving on from that. Uh, Big announcement. Terrence oh Crawford finally gets a top opponent in Sean Porter. The fight's been signed, and it's going to be on ESPN pay-per-view, um, a co-promotion with uh, PBC, but uh, e but it's not going to be on Fox. It's going to be on ESPN. Um, pretty pretty good fight uh, in, in my mind. What? How, how do you feel about it, Uh just give give your thoughts real quick. Uh, I'm I'm somewhat excited. I, I believe I love this fight. I yeah. love this fight. Um, I'm a big Terrence Crawford fan, big Sean Porter fan. Uh, it's a great fight at their weight category, 147. Uh, and you know we need to see Terrence Crawford really in a, in a dog fight. And who who's the biggest dog at 147 that's going to give you a fire fight, a dog fight? That's going to be Mr. Sean Porter, bro. Like, he doesn't mess around. He gets in there. You know, he plays football in there. He's going to beat you up. He's going to muff you up. He's going to rough you up, you know. And uh, I think that's the type of fight that I'm really interested in seeing. They're great styles. You know, yeah. um, you know, Terrence Crawford could go both ways with Southpaw and conventional. Um, I think that's a very interesting look uh, in, in, you know, how he decides how to do it. Um you know, Sean Porter is a great fighter, intelligent man, a great representative of the sport of boxing. And I think this is a, a fight that I'm looking forward more to than anyone to close out the year. I mean, obviously, I'm invested in a Wilder and Fury 3. Is that fight even going to happen? Who the hell knows at this point? I mean, right. we'll, they're we'll saying talk, October. We'll talk about that on the, ne on the next show. <laughs> but, I mean, th this is one. I mean, I'm a big Terrence Crawford guy. I'm a big Sean Porter guy. It's going to be a conflict of my own interests emotionally. And, oh, man, it's going to be tough. But I, I love the fight, and I, I think it's going to be great for the sport of boxing. It's a real fight, people. A real fight. Yeah, um... I mean, I'll, I'll be a hundred percent honest. I think this is a great fight for Terrence yes. Crawford. I think this is a fight that's going to, it's a, it's a style that, so for example, I think if Porter comes in there and tries to bull rush Crawford, I think he's going to get knocked out. I really am honest uh, about Ooh. my assessment there. Ooh. I think he, his style when he fights that way is tailor made um, because he jumps in and he jumps in recklessly at times. Um, if he tries to box Crawford from the outside, he's in trouble there. Crawford's got the length. Uh, Crawford can fight southpaw orthodox. He's very effective in the southpaw stance. Um, I think for 
Sean Porter to really have any chance of winning uh, the fight. He's got to stay in the pocket and figure out how to not let Crawford tie him up when he gets there. And because I think that's what Crawford's strategy is going to be. Uh, whenever Porter uh, closes that gap, uh, Crawford's going to, you know, just tie him up, you know, grab his arms, keep him from working on the inside. Crawford's not a great inside fighter. Um, and then he's also going to try to time him coming in uh, with shots. And I think Porter is going to try to leap in with big shots and catch uh, Crawford because uh, Porter does have uh, – he's got quick feet and he's got pretty quick hands. And he's a bull, and he can take a punch, too. So he's not afraid to uh, go in the trenches and take chances. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. But, um, I mean, I, I definitely just got to go go Crawford just because um, I saw when Porter fought uh, Ugas, he was very leery of going uh, inside on uh, Ugas, who is a good boxer, but he's not as athletically gifted and skilled as Terrence Crawford. And I think that's... Um, but Porter is very strong and he's resilient. Yes. So I think it's going to be a good fight, but I, I could see Porter getting stopped like late in the fight. Crawford usually um, ha he has a lot of late stoppages uh, in his career. You know, uh, mm -hmm. I could see maybe tenth, eleventh round stoppage. Um, but I, but I could see Porter winning a decision too. But it just depends on if he can fight in the pocket, if he's allowed to fight in the pocket. Um, who the officials are, like who's refereeing the fight, I think is going to make uh, a huge, you know, a huge difference. If it's somebody like uh, Kenny Bayless, uh, it's going to heavily favor Crawford. If it's somebody like Tony Weeks, uh, that's uh, going to favor uh, Sean Porter. Um, the fight's actually going to be in Las Vegas at, uh, I think it's Michelob Ultra Arena. So that's what the hell that, arena is that's that? Mandalay Bay Event Center, I guess. But you know they they have a new name for it. But yeah, it's at Mandalay Bay, I believe, is uh, where the fight's going to take place. Las Vegas. Uh, well, yeah, I saw that it was targeted for Vegas, but I'm like, they pop up all these new arenas and they're great. You know, Allegiant Stadium. Let me Stadium. give you the exact date. It's going to be uh, November 20th at okay. the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino, and it's for. Uh, Terrence Crawford's WBO World Welterweight title that's 147 pounds. And um, Errol Spence Jr. holds uh, all the other belts at 147. So if Crawford can get by Porter and um, Errol Spence can get his uh, his eye injury kind of uh, taken care of and then at least get one comeback fight and look good, we might see Crawford versus uh, Errol Spence next year. Obviously, this 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 fight itself is a good sign for that future fight because they are doing business with PBC. So um, definitely look forward uh, to this Crawford and Porter fight being signed. Um, I want to give uh, much kudos and respect to uh, to both teams for getting the fight done and not uh, airing out their dirty laundry in the media, but getting behind closed doors and uh, getting the deal signed. So much. Much respect to those uh, guys. I know there's a lot of, you know, negative stuff people say about these uh, boxing promoters and managers and whatnot. But when they want to get a fight done, um, they'll get it done. And this is a perfect example of that. So uh, anything else, uh, John, before we go? No, I just want to give you tribute, brother, because the thing is that you said there, look at yesteryear. Look at like guys like Hagler, Hearns, Leonard, and all those great fighters like you know Holyfield, Tyson. <clears throat> excuse me, they got the job done. They went out there, 
they went out there and they fought, and that's what boxing is trying to do now, and they need to do it more than ever for credibility. More more, more real fights and less of yes. these, uh, these yes. circus uh, celebrity boxing fiascos that we've been getting recently. Um, they're, to they're put cool it nicely little, there. They're cool little <laughs> novelties, but I think when the younger generation sees too much of this stuff, I think they don't really understand what boxing is all about. This is a no. real sport. This is not. Um, this is not a game to be played. This is this is fighting. You know, this is a uh, mm -hmm. combat sport. So, so I'm looking forward to these uh, these fights coming up, and then I'm also looking forward to seeing Canelo and uh, and Caleb Plant and seeing how that one plays out. I think that one's in November as well. Yes, and I'm very interested and invested so in that that's, fight. That's actually okay. So that's in November. So I just want to end the show on this note. Mm -hmm. So that's ESPN pay per view, November 20th. Okay. Um, Canelo versus Plant. That's uh, pay per view. When, when's that fight? Let's see. I can look it up real quick. And then you go ahead and roll your stuff out here. So um, I believe it's the 13th around that area. Let me okay, see. Okay, so the 13th, we have a pay-per-view. Mm -hmm. Following week, another pay-per-view. And then we have, uh, and isn't Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury supposed to be in November also? First week of October. Oh, first week of October? Okay. Allegedly. Okay. <laughs> so that, that's not... I don't. <laughs> that's not too much overload. So, just last question. Last question of the show, John. Mm -hmm. So, if you had to pick, um, because you know everybody's kind of has a budget on what they could spend on these pay per views, you can't buy them all. Um, but if you had to buy one, would you buy Caleb Plant versus Canelo Alvarez, or would you buy Terrence Crawford against Sean Porter? Terrence Crawford against Sean Porter any day of the week. Any day. Not even week. the thought. Yep. Not even a thought. All right, cool, cool. Um, I'll just answer the question for myself. Uh, I, Go I ahead. I agree with you 100. percent I think. Yeah, that's that's, that's the fight. I bro. think it's a more competitive fight. <laughs> yes. All right, cool. So, uh, see you guys next time. Like and subscribe. Uh, this is Kevin Perry at Vegas Valley Video and Johnny Sig. Where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter, um, Instagram, all those great social media platforms. Just look up Johnny Sig, at Johnny Sig, or John Signorella, not Cinderella, no glass slipper here, S-I-G-N-O-R-E-L-L-A, and you got me. Kev, great time today. All right. <laughs>